In this series from Advanced Biblical Foundations, the Kingdom of God provides believers with an understanding on how to cooperate with God's kingdom while on earth. Welcome to the uh, Kingdom of God. This is part three. I hope you've enjoyed the previous sessions. Um, I'm excited to, to walk through the Word with us, and we look at the Kingdom of God as such an important issue. And so let me begin with a little review if you, uh, it's been maybe been a while since you watched the previous one. This is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we keep talking about this. The issue of repentance means to change the way you think. I have been raised in a culture. I have been raised in this earthly realm. And I think everything works this way. And what he's saying is, no, you have to change the way you think to see my kingdom. I've brought my rule and reign. It's here now. It's not going to come somewhere down the road. It's here now. But you're going to have to change the way you think because you've been trained in the natural circumstances and the situations of life. And that's how you think reality really is. Um, That's not really real. And I'm going, what we think is real. No, he's saying, no, my kingdom is what's real. So my rule and reign is here now. I'm not going to bring it somewhere down the road. Now, it's not in the fullness that it will be someday, but it's already here. He demonstrated his kingdom. He preached the kingdom. He taught the kingdom. His disciples taught the kingdom. They demonstrated the kingdom. And really, he wants us to do the same thing. Now, the last session, we talked about prayer and how important prayer is. This is Matthew chapter 6. He said, you know, pray this way, Father. And we talked about the importance of understanding that really your prayer life is absolutely determined by how you see Father. And understanding what he's wanting us to do, that relationship with Father is hinged upon us really forgiving one another. He says, don't tell me you love God and hate your brother. 1 John chapter 4, he goes, or chapter 5, he says, it can't be done. He said, you're going to have to, if you love me, you have to love one another. So it's really important. So you may need to go back and look at that again. But where I want to begin today is in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where Thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me stop here. I'm going to make some comments as we go along. He's not saying that you can't have a savings account. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, again, what is your focus? Where, 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 where's your heart going after? You've got to understand that wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Your treasure and heart are tied together. And he's just saying, look, if, you're, if you are trying to store up treasures on earth, um, you're, you're, in the, you're still in this dimension, the kingdom dimension, you're storing up treasures in heaven. You go, well, do we need money in heaven? No, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying you've got to understand, and we'll look at it in context here, but what he's saying is don't be so focused on earthly things. You get so focused on earthly things, and basically, that's where your heart is. See, God's after our heart. He's not after our money. He owns it all anyway. 
So he's after our heart. He wants us to be a people whose heart goes after him. And he wants us to understand the dynamics of that. Verse 22 says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I remember reading this a number of years ago, and I'm thinking, what? what? What's that doing in there? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But then as I continue to pray and read, I realize that wait, it makes exact sense. Because what he's saying is, again, is that whatever you're focused on, that's what's coming into you. If you're focused on light, which is obviously the Lord, his word, the truth, the kingdom, that's what's going to come into your life. If you're focused on the natural things, that's what's going to come into your life. Just as simple as that. It's not about, you know, it's not like, you know, some kind of mystical teaching here. No, he's just saying it's the principle. The principle is whatever you focus on is what you're going to become. If we behold him, we are changed from glory to glory as we behold him. If I'm beholding something else, I'm going to be changed into that glory. Now, remember, First Timothy says it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Not money. It's the love of money. What is that? Focus. If your focus is on money, it's the wrong focus. See, because again, it's a natural thing. So he's saying, look, don't be focused on all just the natural things. Be rich toward heaven. Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is too. So it's like, okay, well, but how do I do that? Well, he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So again, God is building a case here. Jesus is teaching us. What he's saying here is, look, it's impossible to have two masters. It just is. You're going to love one, hate the other, or you're going to love that one and hate this one. It's impossible. Then he goes on and he ties this thing together. You can't serve God and mammon. He literally gives the love of money a spiritual, it's a name. It's got a spirit. And why we need to understand this, because this whole issue of money, um, do I need money in heaven? No, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to need money in heaven. But at the same time, money is a very important part of this dimension. And so what God is wanting us to understand is that the way you handle, by the way, his money, it's all his, by the way you handle his money determines so much in your life. Because he says, if you aren't faithful in another man's, how will you be given true riches? How will you, you go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's saying that handling money actually has to do with spiritual things? Yes, it does. Because it's a spiritual issue. You can't serve God and you can't serve mammon. Mammon is a spirit. And you can't, you got to understand the spiritualness to money. Handling money, the love of money, not money, but it's that love of money. It's called covetousness. When my heart is going after things or my heart is going after anything other than God, remember we said Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is all about the heart. God is after your heart. But handling money reveals our heart. So how we handle money reveals 
is our heart set on him or is it set on things? Again, kingdom of heaven's at hand. The kingdom is here. But if I'm going to live in the kingdom, I'm going to have to live according to the principles of the kingdom or you call it this, call it the ways of God. The ways of God are not this way. Remember, he says his thoughts, his thoughts and our thoughts are not the same. And we, we, we just, we're, we're in this realm and he's trying to get us to live in the spirit, trying to get us to live in his kingdom realm. Let's continue on. Verse 25 said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Question. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? <clears throat> a couple of things here. Why would he all of a sudden shift the gear into worry and anxiety? Because fear, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And true fear uh, is an indication we don't really know the love of the Father. But what he's saying here is that when you're anxious and worried about money, you, it's, it's an indication your focus is off. So when you're worried about all these things, you've you got to realize that, wait a minute, my focus is, I'm, 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 I remember, whatever my eye is beholding, I'm beholding the things on this earth. And he said, that's where your heart is then. Now, I want to get your focus on getting into heaven I want you to focus on heaven, not getting into heaven. Focus on the kingdom. Focus on me. I want your heart. I'm after your heart. I'm not after your money. I already own all the money. I, I, I use gold to pave in, in heaven, so I don't need that. But, but he asked this question, are you not of more value than they? Talking about birds. They don't do anything he provides for them. Wow, what a question. I mean, we deal with that today in society. We've got people that... You know, oh my gosh, you can't kill a bird. You, you, you can't kill animals. I mean, animal rights still are just unbelievable. If you hurt something, you're going to go to jail. Of course, we're, we've aborted millions of babies, and there's no problem with that. But, I mean, this is how perverted this is. Again, that's why he says, repent. Change the way you think. The kingdom of heaven is here. The right way of doing things is here. You're living in the wrong way. You're thinking incorrectly. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they neither grow nor, or nor they toil nor spin. Yet I say you, I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Wow. So your father knows what you need. Remember, we said last week, in previous verses in chapter 6, he said, look, don't spend a lot of time asking. I already know what you need. And I'm a good father. So I know what you need. I'm going to provide for you. But I want you to start getting my perspective. I want to see, I want you to get in alignment with my will to see my rule and my reign come on earth. So don't focus on all the earthly things. I, I know what you need. Look at the fields. Does anybody dress like that? 
I've got flowers and birds and I've got things everywhere and they're more beautiful than anything you can come up with and nobody even sees them. Will I not care more for you? And that, that's a huge question. See, that's the debate that's going on today. Is man really important? God said we were created in his image and his likeness. He chose us. And yes, we are. We're more valuable. And he knows that. And he wants us just to acknowledge that, understand that, oh, wow, yes, Lord. I am valuable because you say I'm valuable. I'm not valuable because I do something. I'm valuable because you created me and have me live at this time. So I'm valuable because you say I'm valuable. You've got to come in agreement with God. Change the way you think. Repent. You've got to quit thinking in the natural, start thinking in the spirit, and start thinking about the kingdom. The kingdom is here. It's at hand. It's right here. I don't have to go to heaven. It's right here. So I've got to start thinking differently. Therefore, when he says therefore, he means, okay, now, now, therefore, based upon what I've already said, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? After all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, this is a huge statement. So what Jesus is saying is, he said, look, if you're a Gentile, and it's a reference to those not in covenant with God, if you're a Gentile, you better get out there and bust it because he's not going to provide for you. He provides for those that are in covenant with him. And remember the Syrophoenician woman? She's a Gentile. She comes to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. They didn't talk to her. And she keeps after him. His disciples said, hey, send her away. Get rid of her. And, she said, and he said, I was sent to the to." The, the children's bread, which is healing and difference, what she was asking for, the children's bread is, is for the children of Israel. And basically the reference is, she's a Gentile. She's not a child of God. She's not in covenant. And he said, you know, and she, she heard that. And she said, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs off the table. All I need is a crumb and my daughter will be healed. And he stopped and said, wow, you know, go, your daughter is healed at the very moment clear referencing to the fact of either in covenant or not in covenant. And so this is what he's saying here is that look, Gentiles, not in covenant. They don't have a covenant keeping God that is promised to provide for them. So mm, they better get out there and bust it. They better get out there because, you know, he said, don't worry to who? To children of God. If you're a child of God and you're in covenant with the living God, I'm going to provide for you. That's, that's what he's saying. But then the verse 33 comes in, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, here's the point. This is in context of your treasure. It's the context of money. It's the context of, you know, do what? Seek first his kingdom. How? How do you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? And again, in the context, I mean, that's obviously a big verse. We should be seeking God in everything and his kingdom. But in this deal, he's talking about money. And it, again, he, he says, don't lay up treasures now. 
Remember this passage starts with, don't lay up treasures on earth, lay up treasures in heaven. Well, how do you do that? Well, you put him first in your finances. And that's the reason that this is such an important issue. Understanding, again, his ways, not getting caught up in, in some law or, or, or something, I've got to do something. No, understanding God's ways are different. The kingdom ways are different than what we've lived in. In the natural, I grab for all I can get, and I hold on, and I worry, and I stress out, and I'm looking for things, and I live in this realm. It's how much can I get? And he's saying, guys, you got to understand, I'm after your heart, and your heart is tied to your treasure, and your heart's tied to your focus, and when your focus is wrong, then it's not on me and not on my kingdom. So what's the answer? Seek first the kingdom. How do you do that with money? Well, turn to Malachi. And I know as soon as we do that, people say, oh, now he's going to talk about tithing. Well, I don't know how else to talk about seeking first his kingdom in the context that he taught that in Matthew chapter 6. He's talking about your treasure. He's talking about money. And money plays a huge role in our lives, in our spiritual life. So I want to begin in verse 6 of Malachi 3. For I am the Lord... I do not change, therefore you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I love that. God said, I didn't change. And why I start there is because he still hadn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. His kingdom is the same. It has not changed. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There is an everlasting kingdom. It's, it's not changing. It's an unchangeable kingdom. And so... All of a sudden, we need to realize that, wait a minute, it's consistent from the beginning of time, and it's going to be consistent all the way to the end of time. Because we live in a section that's still not the fullness of the kingdom, but it will be someday. So in the meantime, he's saying, guys, I don't change. I change not. I am the same forever. Verse 7 says, yet in the days of old of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. You've not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts, but you say, in what way shall we return? Now, I'm just going to make some comments here. Isn't it interesting, he didn't say you need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. You need to fast more. You need to do this more. You need to do that more. You need to you be nicer more. No, he didn't say any of that stuff. He said, will man rob God? You've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, let me say this, God's not running around cursing people. What he's saying is, is that in this realm, when we chase after money, I'm telling you, it's cursed. It's, you never get enough. You, it, it eats you alive. It says in Proverbs, it mounts up with wings like eagles and flies away. All these things, when you live in this dimension, you're trying to store up treasures on earth. It's just, you're living in the curse. But when you live in the kingdom, the kingdom, you live in a blessed place. How do you get there? Seek first the kingdom. How in money? In tithes and offerings. You, you know, it goes, wait, wait, wait a minute. That's in the natural realm. But it connects us to the spiritual realm. So what happens is that God has set up something, not, in, not blind obedience deal, not, well, that's law. I got to do that. No, you get to you honoring God by your tithe. Tithe means a tenth. 
It's the first. Jesus is first. God is first. He's not after everything gets done. He's first. So it's, a, it's an understanding of God and honoring God and him first. So what the tithe is, the tithe was actually before the law. Abraham tithe. It was an, a response of worship to Melchizedek. It's in Genesis. And so when you come to the New Testament, you know, people say, well, we're not under law anymore. No, but the principle of the kingdom of God is the same throughout. And the principle was established in the Old Testament. So that what was it? It was a principle of honor. It's a principle of saying, acknowledging the tithe established everything else. When they tithed the tenth, God sanctified the rest. When you don't tithe, then God's sanctification, his blessing is not on the rest of it. So I've always said this, God causes your 90% that you have left after you tithe first to go further than you can make your 100% go. Why? Because there's no blessing on that. Now, again, he's not running around cursing you. He, you're, you're keeping him from blessing you. So, therefore, you are cursed. He's not, again, God doesn't run around cursing people. He's just saying, look, the blessing is living by the kingdom, and this realm is not blessed. That's why we have to repent, change the way we think. I've got to think differently about money. It's, it's all his. He gives to me. And we're to pray for provision, but how do we really do this? Well, we honor him, seek him first. We give first to him. And so he said, he goes on to say, your whole nation is, is cursed. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, I believe the storehouse is the place where you're fed and where your name is recorded. That was the principle of the Old Testament. That's your local church, your place where you are connected and you're supposed to tithe there so there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Wow. He is actually saying, test me. Try me in this. Just see if it won't work. Now, I've actually had people come up to me and they say, well, pastor, I did that. It didn't work. Well, when did you start? Last week. Well, this is not, this is a lifestyle. This is what God is saying. The kingdom of God is not like, snap your fingers, I'm going to make everything happen. No, it's a lifestyle of changing the way you think, thinking differently, recognizing the kingdom is here, and beginning to align myself with his way. So if we're going to seek first the kingdom, we've got to begin to, okay, how? How do I do that? Especially in money, through tithes and offerings. Put God first in your money. What that does is it breaks the power of covetousness. It breaks the power. When you start giving God first, it's storing up treasures in heaven. It's beginning to get your heart off of holding and, and holding on to all this money deal. It's so important to tithe, not legalistically, but tithe and give, and you give, and you give, and you give. How much? You need to give until... That doesn't hold you any longer. You need to continually be a blessing to get and give, but and because that's how and put God first in everything. And as you put God first, your heart begins to be toward Him. 
So that's how you actually seek the kingdom of heaven. It goes on to say, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to, to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know why anybody would not say, well, I don't like that. That's Old Testament. Wow. I like it. I can't imagine you not liking it. God's probably, he says, come on, test me in this. Come on. Come on. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom. Put me first. Put me first in your money. Put me first in your life. Put me first in everything. And you're going to see a change that's going to happen. You're not going to be so focused on everything here. Everything here is not going to just wipe you out. You're going to recognize that well, my kingdom is here now. My rule and reign is here now. You can enter into that now. How? By seeking first his kingdom. So last week I talked about how do you pray? Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And then he goes on to say, seek first my kingdom. So when we understand the principles of the kingdom of God, we begin to say, Lord, help me understand your way. Help me understand that, that I've been living, I've been, I've been trained, educated. I, I've been trained up in this world. I'm still caught in so many areas and things that are pulling me down into this realm when, Lord, your kingdom's already here. So help me to be able to see your kingdom. So I want to pray for us again, because again, this is the, the whole issue. Lord, help us to really see your kingdom. Help us to understand your kingdom. Help us to understand your ways. And this particular one in seeking first the kingdom, I just want to encourage you, has to do with money. And how you handle his money is important. You put him first, and I don't say how you can give how do you, if you don't first tithe. But it says to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you that your kingdom is here. It's within us. We thank you, Lord, that you've told us to pray for your kingdom to come. And you've told us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. So, Lord, that's our prayer. I pray, Lord, you'd help us all to see your kingdom. Help us to enter your kingdom. Help us to be a people that are more focused on your rule and reign and your righteousness and what you're doing than the things of this earth. Help us to truly understand the, the term repent, that we would change the way we think, that we would see from your perspective, that we would see your kingdom and not just be caught looking at the things in the natural Lord, we love you. We bless you. We are so grateful. We are so thankful. We thank you, Lord, that you've given to us everything and bless us with every spiritual blessing. And we just love you and we bless you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me on this uh, journey, the kingdom of God. That was part three. I uh, hope you'll join us for the next one because the kingdom of God comes in power. And we're going to look at that also. So I hope that you'll join us. God bless you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to build a Bible study, which turned into Sojourn Church, now located in Carrollton, Texas. They've never been the same and hope you connect with Christ in the same way. For more, connect to advancedbiblicalfoundations.org.